Welcome to the Mother Forkin' Podcast. Mother Podcast. Where we feed you some real shit on parenting. We are excited to be back with another episode of the Mother Forkin' Podcast. Podcast. Oh, yeah. Sorry, that was, <laughs> you should have tuned we're it's rusty. Cool. <laughs> um, we have a, a great lineup for you guys over the next couple of months, but today we are talking with Jeff Dutremble, who I've actually known for several years. First, let me introduce you to Jeff so you can know a little bit about him. He was born and raised in Biddeford, Maine, the same town that I was born and raised. He attended Dartmouth College in New Hampshire, where he majored in political science and biology. He was an all-star athlete playing D1 baseball ball, earning himself pitcher of the year in 1999 and all these other accolades, all Ivy, uh, in 2000 and 2001. And he actually became a professional baseball player with the Pittsburgh pirates. They drafted him in the 13th round of the major league baseball draft. So that's really cool. Unfortunately, yeah, he injured his pitching arm, which is definitely something in baseball. Uh, cause you're always throwing overhand that can happen. Uh, so he had two unsuccessful surgeries and rehab attempts, and then Jeff's professional baseball career was over. Of course, after that, he battled depression. He felt like he lost his sense of identity. Um, so he decided, you know what, I'm going to go back to school for seven more years. And he graduated from the university of new England college of medicine. And then he was later accepted to orthopedic surgery, residency in California. So this was where he thought he was finally filling that void, but he was wrong. So after one year, Jeff walked away from medicine for a number of reasons. He had $350,000 in loans. So he went back to the drawing board. Uh, About 2017, he and his wife, Amanda, had their first child, Aria. Jeff, is that right? Aria? Aria. Aria. Okay, sorry. It is. I love that. (laughs) I should know it from, uh, isn't it Pretty Little Liars? I used to watch that show all the time. Anyway. um, (laughs) So Jeff found this new sense as a parent would when, you know, they have their first child, a new sense of purpose and motivation. So he realized that he needed to be the best version of himself. Um, so he drank less, he exercised more, and then he decided, you know what, I'm going to dive into what I am most passionate about, which is writing for him. So soon after he realized that writing was truly what he loved and it was his true purpose. So he is about to publish his first book, a children's book called find a lost smile. Uh, that will be June 30th. So, very excited, Jeff, to have you on board today. I saw, like I said to everyone in the audience today, I am, uh, I've, I've known you for several years and I saw that, and we're Facebook friends and I saw you post something on Facebook about your children's book. And I was like, okay, this book is amazing. I love the message. I need to get you on as um, you know, your, your dad. So a dad's perspective, and then to talk about your book. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. It's less. It's uh, it's an honor. I'm flattered, truly. And also, thank you for pre-ordering the book. I saw that you both did, so I <laughs> certainly appreciate your support there. Um, but yeah, thanks for the intro. That's uh, that's certainly a, a nice high-level synopsis of my life. Um, certainly can dig into any of those areas as it pertains to you know the re- the relevancy of the topics you want to discuss. But 
yeah, like I said, happy to have, uh, happy to be on here and, and looking forward to our conversation today. Yes. Thank you, Jeff. I do want to kick off with what do you think gave you such a strong pressure or made you feel this pressure to chase societal success career-wise and everything? That's a good question. That's a good question. I think it's, you know, taking a step back, I think it's multifaceted, right? You, you grow up, you're surrounded by family members, you know, a, a group of friends, um, you know, you go to school, you watch TV, you read magazines, read books. So I think eventually all of us develop this sort of sense of who we should be or who we want to be. And um, for me, you know, my parents are both teachers in the Biddeford school system and everybody knew them. And I think I felt, you know, pressure as a kid to do really well in school and to always be, you know, excel in sports and be the best that I could be, which isn't a negative thing, but I think it got to the point for me where, um, you know, I was just seeking perfection constantly and, and almost the approval of others versus taking a step back and listening to what I, I truly wanted and who I truly wanted to be. Um, not to say that I regret any of the decisions I made or the paths I've taken, but, um, you know, looking back, I think, you know, it, it, what I could say if, to my younger self, if I could, was to, you know, follow your heart, right? Listen to who you truly want to be and, and really, um, you know, get to know yourself before trying to approve other people or trying to get the approval of others. So at that time, as being your younger self, did you know that writing was something that you were passionate about? So I knew, yeah, I knew I wanted to write, but, you know, baseball was, was clearly my, my childhood dream. I think any father out there can relate or any, you know, even non-dads out there can relate. Um, that was, that was something that was, was my, I guess, number one passion and, and childhood dream. So for that, right, working towards that was something that, you know, I, I definitely don't regret and, um, you know, pouring my heart and soul into that every day and, and doing the extra work, you know, in the, in the weight room and, you know, eating right and really developing my skills. Um, I think that, you know, that turned me into my own person, but I think after that, right, when baseball ended is where I started thinking about, okay, now what, right? How do I fill this void? And you start thinking about, you know, all the friends that you went to college with and, you know, people around you that just seemed so happy with what they were doing. And for me, it, it just wasn't the case. I was, um, like you said, I was, I was depressed. I, I went through a period of, um, you know, drinking way too much, um, doing other stuff that I'm just definitely not proud of. And um, I think a lot of that just stemmed from trying to be someone that I wasn't, right? Chasing money, chasing quote unquote success, um, just jumping to jobs based on, hey, why don't you try to be this or, or try this um, instead of really taking a step back and figuring out what my true passion was again. Um, and I think sometimes, you know, it does take trying on multiple different hats to really figure out who we want to be. But in my case, it just felt like it was, I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I think that's a valid point um, for everyone or for majority of people. You know, we we want to fall into this sort of path that you think your parents want us on or that society, as you already talked about, uh, want us on. So when you did follow your dream of, you know, playing baseball, which is amazing, um, but then what happened with your surgeries and then, okay, after that, your career was done, you fell into depression. So can you open up more about that and what your struggles were and how you dealt with it, how you decided that, okay, you know what, I'm, I'm done doing this. I'm going to move forward and follow your dreams of what makes you happy. Yeah, that's a good question. So I, I think, you know, if anybody has played a sport or has something that's so integral to their life, whether it's, 
like I said, a sport, a hobby, um, even like a person, like a relationship um, for so long, right? And you, and you dedicate most of your life to that and you dream about attaining that. Um, and then all of a sudden it's ripped away from you. It's, uh, it's, it's tough to describe if you haven't gone through that. But for me, it just, um, I didn't cope well with it. Um, starting from, you know, one year old by the time I could hold a wiffle ball bat in my hands until, you know, 23 years old, mm. baseball was 90% of my life, right? So it was, when that got ripped away from me, it was, uh, yeah, it was just like, a, like I said, a lost sense of identity mm. um, and turning to other things like alcohol to make me feel better. But that was, you know, that's only temporary. And, and I'm sure that from a male's perspective, that's got to be hard to like navigate yeah. those feelings like publicly. Cause you know, like, I feel like women are usually more open about mental health versus guys where you guys tend to like keep it all together or I don't know, just that stigma of like, nah, figure your shit out. You know what I mean? So that, 100%. that probably had to be hard as well. Yep. hundred percent. I mean, that's, that's sort of the nature of, I think being made, raised in Maine, first of all, right. We're just mm. taught to, you know, pick ourselves up and not talk about it to be tough. Um, and, and then playing sports, right. If you're, if you talk about your feelings, you're soft, you know, quote unquote soft. And um, so, yeah, I think uh, trying to live up to what a male should be, right. That, that image of, you know, someone that's really strong and knows what they want, confident um, and not <clears throat> when I didn't align with that, it's, yeah, it's definitely pretty self deflating and, and it sort of spiraled from there. Right. So I think, the fact that I wasn't able to talk about it or didn't feel comfortable talking about it um, just made it worse and sort of perpetuated everything. How did you overcome that? I got to the point where I, I think if I'd stayed down the path I was going, I probably wouldn't be here still um, as, you know, I don't want it to sound cliche, but it got to a point where I was in a pretty dark place. Um, and I just looked in the mirror one day, you know, after a night of, of partying, like literally all night. Uh, and just said, Hey, this is just not who you are. Um, so like a switch went off and I, I literally just made the decision to make some changes in my life. Um, you know, which included saying my job, my career, you know, what I wanted out of life. I mean, I was fortunate to be raised in a very solid family with, you know, great core values. Um, like I said, my parents are both teachers. Um, my family, you know, the Du Trimble family in Biddeford is, is well known and respected. And so I think a lot of that a lot of that helped me get back on track, uh, which is good, but uh, it definitely wasn't easy. I also realized that I needed help, like professionally, not just talking to friends, but I, you know, it, it took me to, uh, you know, I had to swallow my pride and my ego and, and reach out and get, and get counseling. Um, I went to AA for a period of time um, to cut back on my drinking. So it just, it, it, it was like a spring cleaning almost, you know, I had the epiphany or the, the awakening or whatever you want to call it of. Yeah. So that was like your rock bottom. Yeah. I, I would say that was pretty close to rock bottom. Um, I feel like I've had a, a couple of, <laughs> of, you know, valleys, I would say um, right after med school was pretty similar. Um, just feeling the shame of walking away from something, you know, um, being called a coward and just, again, what other people were saying about me for, for not sticking it out in the medical field. Uh, you know, there was definitely another valley there, but, um, married my wife initial boost that I needed to take a look at myself and say, Hey, I got to be the best version of myself for my wife. Right. I, it's now not just me anymore. It's this other beautiful person that I, I need to take care of and want to be a rock for. And if I can't support myself, then I can't support her. So that really 
compelled me to make some, some big changes again, like thinking wise, working out, you know, eating right, just trying to be the best person I could. And then when Aria, we found out Aria was um, going to be born. That was just another huge force that pushed me. I get, I think, I think that's what really pushed me over the top in the right direction um, to make some serious changes and to, to become a lot stronger uh, individually. I love that. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, kids do, they change your life in all, all different facets and ways. So uh, that's awesome that it was a positive change for you. So um, I do want to sh shift gears just a little bit and start talking about how you found your passion for and happiness in writing. So, I mean, you put forth so much time, energy, and money into being a professional athlete and into med medical school. So at what point, I guess when you're probably when your daughter was born, um, is that the point that it was just like, okay, you know what, I'm now going to just follow this dream that I've had of writing and also why the focus on a children's book? Yeah, those are, those are good questions. So the writing actually started, it was more, um, so I, I worked in Boston uh, at the time I was commuting from Maine to Boston every day, taking the down Easter, the Amtrak, <laughs> right? Two and a half hour both ways. So five hours. So I had a lot of time to think and to contemplate my life, especially, you know, nine months looking ahead, uh, Aria was going to be here. Um, so that's when I really took stock in my life. And I started, I started writing uh, a journal to her. So every morning, you know, I'd get up at 530, hop on the train by 6am. And I named it Dear Aria. Um, and every single morning I wrote to her about, you know, the things I was looking forward to my day was like just anything that was would come to my head I would literally write to her and it, it just became such a nice uh, outlet or I guess therapeutic release for me and it really uh, reignited that spark that I had in, in middle school and high school for writing you know a lot of my teachers said that I should be a writer and um, you know and then you get the feedback from you know your parents friends like you know what are the chances you can make it you can make a living and you know you sort of put it on the back burner and forget about it but it's not about that. It's what makes me happy. Come exactly. on. Exactly. Yeah. So, so really it was the, the journal to Aria. I have, I still have it saved. It's over 300 pages um, every single day. So awesome. day. And, you know, someday maybe when she's 21, when she's old enough, cause there's obviously some content in there that, <laughs> that she won't want to read now, but, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm hoping to give it to her or at least read it with her someday and we can look back, but that, that really ignited my passion again for writing and, it made me realize that, you know, one, life is super short. Um, you know, the time we have on this earth, we never know when it's going to end. Mm. And I wanted to be the best version of myself for her, for my family. And I also wanted to be a, a role model for them so that when they grow up and they have a passion that might be non-traditional. Yeah, what everyone tells you to do. Yeah, they, they, they feel completely confident chasing that path, chasing that dream regardless of the economic considerations, right? I think that's a lot of us make decisions based on that. And it's sad because I think a lot of us uh, give up on ourselves or give up on dreams um, based on financial or economic considerations or a fear of what others might think. Um, and I just didn't want them to feel that way. And, you know, I'm, I'm 42 now going on 43. I think being in the medical field and seeing people my age or younger dying uh, is a huge wake up call. Mm. Because, and it sounds so cliche, but we got, we got to maximize and make the best use of our time while we can. And I think it's a waste of life and a waste of time if we're doing something that, you know, we're kind of just going through the motions every day. 
So it's a combination of that, right? Wanted to be a good role model, wanted to show them that they can chase a non-traditional path. They can blaze their own path. They can be themselves and that they can fully accept themselves for who they are. I love that so much. I feel like uh, we can all agree to an extent that being parents is kind of like an opportunity for us, obviously to heal from like past trauma and things that we've been through, but we are finding ways to improve ourselves as well. And then just because we want, you know, the best for our kids, right. For, to, to be that example. So I think that that's been the most beautiful thing to me as a parent. Cause I'm like, man, I'm doing all these things that I wish I had, or I wish I knew, you know, the support that I've always wanted growing up. So it's, it's a beautiful, you kind of want to pass that torch. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Here's what I've learned. So just make sure you don't do what I did as my (laughs) mistakes and just learn from it. Um, but real quick, cause so you keep saying they, and I, I want to make it clear that you have more than one child. It's not just Aria. (laughs) So, and I know that because of Facebook. So, and I should have mentioned that in in the intro. So I apologize. Um, But can you tell us how old your babies are and what their names are? Yeah. So Aria is three and a half. She is a spitfire. Um, Her (laughs) energy is just infectious. Her smile. We will take her out to eat. Obviously not as much now with COVID, but, and she lights up the room. People are like, oh my gosh, she's so, you know, it's just amazing. Um, (laughs) And she's going to be a leader, right? I, I, we were at, uh, at Dartmouth for an alumni, like homecoming game and, at one of the you know local restaurants and one of the alumnus behind us is like wow like i heard her i heard him say like she's gonna be a, she's gonna be a leader you can just tell yeah. um, but with that it's tough right because you're and I, I listened to a couple of your episodes before with with christo and uh justin talking about you know the dane like you're, you, as a father right when your, your daughters are born especially you have this sense of wanting to protect them at all costs mm-hmm. and um, she just, she's all over the place. She split her head open last week, running around the oh, living room. Oh my goodness. Just, yeah. Six stitches. You know, my wife almost passed out because there was so much <laughs> blood. And, um, so yeah, anyway, so she's great. And then, uh, Quinn is nine months old. So she literally just oh. started, craw- <laughs> she just started crawling last week. She is, oh, she's uh, a baby, 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 baby. She got two little tiny teeth. Um, do not miss those days. No. I, I do. I <laughs> Sorry, love that. I, I can't. I'm like <laughs> so over the friggin' newborn to pretty much to like the first year of life. I'm like, nope. And and maybe it's because I a mom and I breastfed for both my boys, but I'm just like, no. Nope. Yeah, Megan wasn't a fan. And the sleep deprivation is, yeah, no, I love my sleep. I don't but know. But he's anyway. getting to the fun part where she's crawling and she's gonna start walking. And yeah. But she's gonna be I'm oh, sorry. I just but- totally no, no, no. I, I, no. I can actually, I can relate sort of, right? So my wife with Aria went through some, you know, significant postpartum mm. stuff that they don't oh, talk yeah. about, right? That you guys did talk about, which I thank you for, because I, I don't think enough, you know, it's, future moms it's so are real and it's for just, that. And yeah. then the whole pressure, like for her, I don't know if you guys experienced this, but with, uh, with breastfeeding, like you said, it's, it's almost like, there's so much pressure or she felt so much pressure to breastfeed and then it wasn't going well. She got mastitis and, you know, uh, so she felt like she was failing as a mom when she switched to bottle feeding. But it's like you said, I mean, sleep deprivation is a real thing. Postpartum stuff is a real thing and you got to take care of yourself first. So, um, Mm -hmm. definitely relate to that. But yeah, with, with Aria, I was, I was super gung ho, like the first, uh, you know, five months leading up to her birth. And then after I was, you know, bouncing out of bed, I'd feed her, I'd, 
And then with Quinn, I don't know if it's because I'm older, but man, I was just <laughs> exhausted. I'm like, oh man, can you, can you get her? It's like two in the morning. I'd be swearing like, oh, F, you know, I got to get up, but uh, yeah. I kind of feel bad for Quinn. I, I love her to death, but I think with Aria, you know, as the first one, it was, it was just uh a little bit different. It, but it is like that with the second kid. I, I always yeah. feel some kind of guilt, like, man, yeah. I'm not doing enough. Just just hang out with your brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The cool thing is Quinn is as like cool as a cucumber. She is mellow, more like my wife. Like I'm more up and down, like all over the place. Um, Quinn is pretty level-headed. She sleeps through the night. Like since four months old, she's been sleeping all the way through. Jeez, um, yeah. Blessings. So it's been really nice in that sense. Do you help them navigate like, okay, let's make sure that this is truly what makes you happy, you know? What are like if some it's things... a more traditional role, you mean like like being in a general athlete or doctor? yeah, doctor and athlete. Yeah, I mean, instilling I think, that confidence in them. Yeah, I think for me, it's it's being there to support them as like a guy. Like so, if they're, I I, I kind of like related to like someone climbing Mount Everest. Like you can't do it for them, but you can be there along the way. Um, I don't want to be that person that says you shouldn't do this or this is how I did it you know, this might work or I failed. Don't do this. I want them to explore and figure out, you know, what works for them, what doesn't work, what they like, what they don't like. I can obviously offer my bits of advice and suggest what uh, might be the best path for them, but I want to be more supportive than authoritative, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I feel like I don't know, I just feel like our society with too, too many parents out there, or a lot of parents out there and might be you know if a kid said they want to be a painter or an artist then I don't think a lot of parents would be supportive I don't know maybe that's just a generalization that but it's uh, definitely from from our generation I feel like our parents were kind of like you're not gonna do well there or you know yeah navigate well careers. so I do have to interject here um I will say my parents I hold them on a pedestal anyway I just think they're like the best thing since sliced bread, but they've always been super supportive in whatever it is that my sister and I want to do as long as we're happy. So they've always instilled that in us. And that's something I think same, same thing with you, Jeff is like, I want to continue doing that for my boys. Like if they want to go and become an artist or, you know, a photographer, I'm not shitting on that. I think it's amazing. I, I, there are a lot of photographers and artists in my family. And I'm just saying like, as society views that, oh, you're not going to make money with that. Or, oh, you're not gonna be happy with that. Well, how do you know how I'm going to feel or what type of money I'm going to make? You, you never know. I could have like some serious business skills and I'm going to just blow up my business and I'm going to be super famous. You never know. (laughs) So I think it's just like supporting your child or children and whatever it is that they want to do, as long as they're going to be safe about it, then why not? You know, hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah, I should, I should clarify. My parents were super supportive with everything that I've done. I think it was more like referring to like the societal pressure, right? The, The image of what a a successful man should be, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I left medicine, my parents were fully supportive. I mean, they, they were shocked, awesome. right. But they, they supported me and they still, you know, they still do. So, um, teaching yeah. the, the fact that nothing is ever linear is good too. That failure, failure is okay. And, and we should experience that those trials. Cause I think yeah. that that's important to teach our kids as well. Like it's okay, man. Like it's, you're not just going to be on this one path to like, you know what I mean? Like kind of how you experienced, you, you never thought that you would 
kind of go up and down and, and then figure out what you really wanted to be in life. I mean, I feel like I'm still there. So how would you advise adults navigating through that? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great, great point and, and topic. I think, uh, I think you're right, right? Most of us view our lives as linear. Like we start here, we go to college, we get a job, we retire. Um, but in all reality, that's just not how it typically happens. And it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing to, to explore and try new things and go in more of like a zigzag fashion, as long as the overall trajectory is going up in the positive, positive way. Um, but for adults, that's another reason I wrote the children's book, right? Cause I think great children's books will resonate not only with the children, but the adults reading it to them. Mm-hmm. And that's some of the, I don't know about you all, but that's some of the best times that I have with my daughters is when I'm reading them children's books at night. You know, we have a routine every night. I read at least four books. Aria begs me to read more, but um, you know, that's, <laughs> like, like, that's enough now. <laughs> yeah. That's like the quality time that I know I'm never going to get back. Right. She's yeah. going to be 16, 18 before I know it. And then she's not going to want to talk to me. Um, so <laughs> for me, it's like super quality time that I know is precious. Um, so I wanted to write the children's book for them, but I also wanted it to resonate with adults because, you know, it's based on my life, right? It's based on the main character trying on a bunch of different hats, knowing that she had this passion, she abandons it, and that ultimately she'll find her way back. Um, but I think a lot of us feel, you know, going back to that linear path that, you know, we pick a career and we have to stay on it and we have to be there 20 years to get our pension or whatever it may be, or we have to make X amount of money so we can pay our mortgage. But a lot of us will abandon the dream or, something that we should be doing because we feel like we're stuck. Um, and or so another me, good point is we won't even try. We're just right. afraid to fail. Exactly, exactly. So that's why I share, you know, I'm very open about how much I owed in medical school loans when I abandoned it. I mean, it's, it's nuts. Like, why would anybody walk away from that? But I did yeah. because it just wasn't me. I, I woke up every morning miserable uh, at what I, what I had to do that day. And it just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to spend my life that way, right? Knowing how precious time is. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. So I, I, there have been some things in my life where I were, was just no longer happy with, and I'm like, you know what? And, and I gave it a chance and multiple chances. And then finally, and this is even applying to like things that I was passionate about as well as even relationships. And I'm just like, finally, I need to walk away because this is not serving me any purpose. I don't feel fulfilled and I'm not happy is the bottom line. And looking back, sometimes I'm like, God, why did I quit softball? Why did I quit gymnastics? I I really, I love watching it. I love doing it. But at the end of the day, I just, like I said, it wasn't serving me. I wasn't feeling fulfilled. So you just, you have to know at what point to just walk away and really have that conversation with yourself. Like you did that aha, wake up moment, look at yourself in the mirror, Jeff. And you were just like, I, this needs to stop. So you need to just be able to have that honest conversation with yourself and be like, okay, am I happy? Am I happy with what I'm doing, where I'm at in my relationship, all facets of life. Right. Right. And I think think this is a fine line because anything that's worth doing or any, I think any great achievement or Mm. things that we accomplish in life, it it takes hard work and dedication. So that's, that's what, that's one thing I'm, I'm trying to ensure that I balance with my daughters is, you know, if you have a passion, that's great, follow it. But if it gets tough, stick with it. So for me, 
it's almost like I almost contradict myself and I still sort of regret leaving medicine, right? It's like that, that was what I thought was my passion and ended up not being it. And I walked away. So in, in some senses, you could look at me as a quitter, right? In other senses, you could say that was courageous to walk away from something because it wasn't working out. So it's just tough to find that balance. But I think if you're unhappy more days than not, then it's mm. definitely worth making a change, you know? Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, it's how you feel about yourself. So yeah, I think yeah. that that's what's most important. So your book is called find a lost smile and it is due out June 30th. Can you let us know where people can pre-order your book? Yes. Yeah, so right now um, you could pre-order my book at my website. So drjeffsbooks.com. So DR for doctor and then Jeff's J E F F S books.com. Um, I'm hoping to, set up more school visits and get the book in bookstores and um, perhaps on Amazon eventually. Um, obviously with COVID, it makes it tough to do in-person events and such. But um, so for right now, yeah, it's on the website at, at drjustbooks.com. Awesome. How um, can our listeners engage with you? Do you guys, do you have a Facebook, a Instagram? Yeah, we have a Facebook page, Dr. Jeff's Books. Um, they can send me an email. Love to hear from, obviously the book isn't out yet. So <laughs> But uh, once it is, yeah, we have a, a, an email, info at drjeffsbooks.com. A lot of different ways we'll be able to communicate. Um, and hopefully, like I said, getting, getting more uh, channels um, where the book will be available. Awesome. And I, I'm jumping the gun here, but I don't, I don't care. I want to know. <laughs> uh, are, are you writing any more books? So right now I'm focused hundred percent on this and making sure, you know, it's a successful launch, but I, it will be. I will definitely <laughs> thank you, you. Have that confidence. Thank you. I, I will definitely be writing more um, kids books and, you know, potentially others. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something I'm not going to, not going to walk away from now that I've started. It's, you know, I well, still we have. Think it's great. We're very excited that, that you chose the children's rap book. Cause it is a moment where we all engage with our kids and it resonates with us as well. So we're very excited for you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And obviously I have a full-time job, so it, you know, it's tough to balance. And I know you, you were both personal trainers and um, it's really tough to find that, that side hustle. You got this Jeff. And we're so happy that you came on to the mother forking podcast and talked to us and our audience about this. So we're excited for you. We're rooting for you. And uh, we will definitely keep spreading this message of final last smile uh, with our own kids for sure. Yeah, thank, thank you so you. much. Thank you so much. It was really great to talk with you. And uh, yeah, love, love the podcast. Keep it up. <laughs> thank you, Jeff.